Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So, the Lord's been getting my attention about Him wanting to do new and fresh things and that there's going to be a fresh outpouring of His Spirit and I just so enjoyed the worship time this morning and pressing in and just lingering in that place a little bit. Uh, for some of you not accustomed to, uh, to sort of free flow worship, you know, we want to sing with our mind and sing with the Spirit. Pray with the mind, pray in the spirit. Pray in the language of the spirit. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And of course you know your Bible. So, uh, you know, this whole thing of singing in the spirit and allowing the spirit to carry us. A bit like that that eagle there, just like spreading the wings and, and sort of finding the thermals. And you just get carried up higher. It's not through effort but it's creating a space for that thermal to just lift you in his presence. It's not because the worship team forgot the words. You know, like sometimes when you come into an environment that's a little bit different, kind of like, what is going on here? So just to, to let you know, it was a very deliberate space and place. We say, Holy Spirit, we want to give you room. We want to give you space to lead us and to, you know, to minister to us because when we come into his presence and when we engage with the Lord, it's not just singing songs. We're actually, we're on this journey into the heart of God. And, and so we need to give room and space for the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And, 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 and so when we're just in that place of, of allowing him to touch us, he does deep things inside of us. Now, many people have experienced enormous shift and change in their own lives, in their hearts, their emotions, in their minds, their thinking, in their bodies, physically, just healing, wholeness coming into people's lives, just being in the place of worship. Yeah? And so, hey, you can sing songs, and songs are great, but songs are a vehicle. They're going to take you somewhere. I mean, you know this in the natural. You turn on the radio, and there's a song from, you know, <laughs> you know, those days. And immediately you're back in those days. Like you were there, you, 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 you can even see your, your friends from that era. A song carries you. It transports you. Similarly, in the spirit... Worship songs, they transport us, they take us further, deeper into his presence. So it's not just, hey, you know, these guys, gosh, I mean, how many songs do they want to do now? Can we sit down? You know, I've got things to do. You know, and, and it's when we don't have an understanding and appreciation of actually why we are here. See, if we just think we're here for ourselves... You know, like, get it over with, you know, like instant, microwave. But if we realize, actually, we're here for him. 
Oh, it's not about us? No, it's about him. It's about engaging with him and pouring out. Like that anointing on Jesus' feet. I just love that. Thanks, Steve. It's a costly sacrifice. You mean I've got to get up early on a Sunday morning and get myself, you know, reasonably presentable? Some of us have got much more to get ready after COVID. But we... We're taking the effort to give ourselves to him that we might encounter him. And if it takes a little bit longer, we'll be here for him, not for us. Yeah? Everybody wants to get to heaven? This is not a trick question. I wouldn't trick you, would I? <laughs> Everybody wants to get heaven, yes? What's the whole thing about heaven? Heaven is where Jesus is. It's to be with him. <clears throat> we get a foretaste now of what it's like to be with him. So, so why do we want a shortcut? We want to kind of like just... Trim it right down. No, we want to we want to give ourselves to him and for him. Thank you, Izzy. Thinking of putting on the payroll. So last week I shared with the folk that I had, had a dream. Three dreams on the, the Saturday evening leading into the first Sunday that we were open you know, after many months and, uh, as a congregation this size. And the Lord spoke to me about revival in these, these dreams. So I told one, one dream last week, you'll have to go and watch the recap, but I said I'd tell another one to this morning and I'll save the third one for another time. The third dream was, was uh, it wasn't very long, but I was, was driving in an ambulance. And there was a sense in which, you know, when an ambulance has got its sirens going, I mean, everything clears out of the path. And you can get, you can get where you want to go very fast. And there, was, there, were, there were clouds, there, there were, were, was... was it was pregnant with rain. It, it, so there was this, this eerie sort of atmosphere. Not menacing, but you know that when, when, when things in nature just kind of like you can say, wow, this is like, whoa. Work with me. Just, I can't see your faces too much. You're all in disguise again like your doctor's. So just nod vigorously. That's it. Thank you. And um, so, so this, this was this unusual sense that the skies were pregnant with rain. Come on, we know that as a prophetic symbol. 
all right? And so driving in it was, then it became like cloudy, misty driving through this thing, but going at speed. And we know, again, symbolic, the glory of the Lord filled the temple like a cloud. And then all of a sudden the road opened up and there were three lanes, which was kind of like much more road than you need. And these three lanes, and all of a sudden, boom, we were at a destination. And I just had a sense that the Lord was, was releasing acceleration in terms of revival. We're going to get where we need to be. Yay. Mm. So come on. In our hearts, as we've been getting on the front foot, this, this month of September, we've been saying, you know, we're going to spring forward. We're not just going to sit back and let life happen to us. We're not victims. He's called us to be victors. He's giving to us victory. And so we're not on the back foot defensive. We're actually getting on the front foot in prayer and anticipation. We're asking the Lord to do big things in our lives and in our nation. And of course, in the church, the kingdom expanding. And so, you know, this thing of anticipation, let's keep, keep this in our hearts. Let's keep praying and trusting the Lord that he's going to do really amazing things and he's going to revive us, he's going to revive the church, he's going to revive this nation. Because that's what he wants to do. Fantastic. And that really is my sermon in a nutshell. But I'm going to give you the expanded version now. You're ready for it. All right. Fantastic. We have, over the last few weeks, been doing a little bit of a mini-series about um, looking to the rock. And after the passing of my dad, and uh, this is just a wonderful portrait of him downstairs on the wall there, if you're wondering who that, who that is. And we're just recognizing that the Lord gave to us so much that we need to watch over, steward, take care of, treasure, because it's our inheritance. It's our spiritual inheritance. Mm -hmm. And that we just take a little bit of time to just examine what are these things that the Lord has given to us that are precious. So, the scripture from Isaiah 51, uh, the first couple of verses, uh, says, you know, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abram, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him. And I made him many. So this thing of looking to the rock, looking to where have we come from, where we've been fashioned and shaped by something. You know, back in those days when my dad was, you know, in his heyday, there was this musical, The Sound of Music. And uh, that was like, Big trending 
movie of the day. And in the middle there, there's this little line. Nothing comes from nothing, nothing ever did. And he used to quote that often. That's for another generation. The thing is that we come from somewhere, we are shaped, we have been molded by our past, by experience, and us as a family, a church family, we've been shaped and molded by certain things. And so we've been cut from a quarry. So what are, what are the things that have shaped us? And so one of the things that I want to talk to us about this morning is about the kingdom of God. I want to talk about missions, and I want to talk about evangelism. Is that okay? So when I was a tiny little pickin' you know what that is? Grew up in the Eastern Cape, and my early, one of my earliest memories was in Cathcart. I was about three or four years old, and I'd gone into the shed in the, the back garden, and there was a motorbike. And I climbed on the motorbike, and you know I was playing as a little kid, and the motorbike toppled over on top of me. And my amazing brave sisters, Janet and Kathy, came to my rescue, lifted it up so I could get my leg out from underneath the motorbike. And I can't remember if we managed to prop it back up or we just left it there and ran away. <laughs> because we kind of like knew, maybe we were told, I don't know, stay away. But you know what kids are like. But that motorbike was there because it was for a missionary who was doing mission work into the, the Siskai and the Transkai. So it's interesting, kind of right into our experience or these intersections of missionary work, evangelism, and the expansion of the kingdom. So for example, out of my own dad's life, and some of you might be interested in in getting a copy of the book, which is called He Said Yes. I think you can get it down at the info desk downstairs. And uh, it's a biography of, of what uh, a number of things that my, my dad did. It'll talk about when he was a teenager, going and doing sidewalk Sunday school in the colored community crossing over the racial barriers in apartheid years as a teenager. And then the call to go to the mission field and going off to Nigeria and trekking for many days into the jungle and going in and working on a, 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 a leprosy colony and a mission station and just ministering uh, taking care of people and just sharing the love of Jesus for several years until after many illnesses, the doctor said, one more and you're dead. I mean, at one point they had actually left him for dead. They carted him off to hospital on the back of a bucky. The guy drove through the night um, 
to try and get him there. And when he arrived there, the doctor said, he's too far gone, just leave him there in the passage. Asked one of the attendants, look, if he makes any noises, you can call me, but otherwise there's no hope. And a few hours, day, a few hours later, my dad made some kind of a, a grunt or a groan, and, and then they said, okay, we'll give him a chance. But this, this going to the ends of the earth to share the good news of Jesus with people who otherwise would not have known the Savior. And how in that context of a leprosy colony, suddenly one night, sovereignly, supernaturally, in the middle of the night, thousands of people suddenly came from all over the region and came. It wasn't announced. It wasn't advertised. It wasn't scheduled. Thousands of people spontaneously came in the middle of the night and started confessing their sins to Jesus. And revival broke out in the middle of the jungle in Nigeria. And they woke my dad up and they said, come, come, you've got to see this thing and you must stop it. Because the elders were standing up in front of the people confessing their sins. True repentance, true revival had hit. That went on for, for many months. That thing of extravagant giving. They just knew to give. The most, they were poor people in the bush. For some of them, the most expensive thing they had was their, their special robes. So they would strip it off down to their loincloths and they would leave it there. There was this massive big heap of clothing and things and they said, we will come back and we'll redeem it. And they went and they earned the money, whatever, trading in their chickens and goats and things. Some of them came back with eggs or cabbages or bananas or cassava, whatever it was, to redeem their items of clothing over the coming months. But they gave sacrificially in response <laughs> because he gave it all. Come on, that was last week, generosity. We can never outgive God. You don't have to tell people to give. It just something happens in the heart. And just a generosity just wells up within people. It's kind of like how you know people are really saved. When you've got to fight and argue with somebody about tithing, they haven't had the revelation yet. They just haven't had a full-on encounter with the goodness of God. You've got to try and convince them mentally that it's in the Bible, and yes, it is in the New Testament, and yes, it is. <laughs> but when you've had a true encounter, it's kind of like, Lord, it's all yours. I'm not holding anything back. Why would I? And all this stuff here on earth, it says nothing. And it's gone. It's like the grass. Withers, thrown into the fire. It's gone. Why do you want to spend your stuff on things that don't keep? But that was last week's message. So yeah, 
in the in the mission field in Nigeria. Coming back, I remember also as a child, we used to drive into the Transkei and uh, we'd go to Fort Cunningham, which is a tiny little mission station, and we'd go and, and uh, be with some Scottish missionaries, Jim and Val Kincaid. We'd be driving in the car there. Oh, Jemima, think of your Uncle Jim. He's in the bathtub learning how to swim. Did you ever sing that song? First he does the breaststroke, then he does the crawl. Now he's under the water, swimming against the tide. Anyway, Uncle Jim Kincaid, Scottish Presbyterian missionary, full of the spirit, ministering to the closer people in the trans sky. I remember going many times, running around trying to catch the roosters and the chickens there. And, but this cross-cultural ministry thing, this mission heart, this is, this is the 1970s people when you weren't supposed to be crossing lines. I remember that the secret service would tap our phone. They would open our mail. They would follow our car around because of the, the working with leaders of other race groups. I remember the conferences that we held. I say we, obviously, I was just a little, little chap then. But the small community, about 40 people in the community hosting two major renewal conferences. SA Renewal Conference in 1977 and again in 1980 here in Johannesburg. And we were based out of East London in the Eastern Cape. And the small little community putting on the thing, hosting 10,000 delegates to the first renewal conference in South Africa. I remember us serving and living for other people, not for ourselves. That was from about four weeks ago, servanthood and sacrifice. And I remember many times having to sleep on uh, just a, a camping mattress on the floor because my bedroom had been given to a guest. Somebody had come for a, a conference or, or an event, much like what you're going to be doing in a couple of weeks' time. Let me try that again. <laughs> we have a great opportunity to, to carry on the legacy of actually hosting people in our homes, showing hospitality, and hearing their stories and sharing love and encouraging each other in the Lord. And um, so all of these things are just, in terms of who we are, where we've come from, it's come from somewhere. I remember traveling in my, 
um, sort of slightly more middle years because I'm still middle-aged. I plan to be middle-aged for another 40 years. I'm going for 120. Why not? Come on, if Moses did, yeah? Caleb only started his ministry at 80. Come on. So I remember going with dad long trips to Malawi. I mean, it'd take you days to drive there. And, uh, and ministering to, to folk who were very poor and in our eyes very simple. But with very little giving themselves to Jesus. I remember trips to Zimbabwe and connecting with a community that was that was in, in Zim and we'd been a community in East London and so there'd been this connection and, uh, and the stories of how they went even in the bush war and uh, they knew many people who were subsequently slaughtered in, uh, in one of the raids on this, this community in Marindera. But going with dad and, and revisiting those connections, I remember going with him to, to Zambia, some leadership training times and going to Uganda, places like that. Uh, it was interesting times. So I remember going with him to China. And obviously there's a lot of stuff around the China trip that we can't really talk about because it would endanger some of the believers there who at the moment are under enormous persecution. Not back then. Now, China is a very dangerous place for Christians, as is Afghanistan, of course. Hmm. So much for a civilized world. I remember meeting with, with this one particular leader, and let's just call him Brother L, just to protect. And he was head of a number of house churches that comprised three million people. That wasn't a very big group of churches. Three, only three million. And hearing the stories of how they, how they persevered under enormous torture and persecution. Not like your neighbor said, you weird. That's not persecution. Come on guys, we, we just, Oh, they looked at me funny because, you know, I've got a sticker on my car. That's not persecution. 
my dad had wanted to go as a missionary to China. In fact, that was why he went and, and studied, went to the Bible training college. Because he felt called to go to China. But then with the Cultural Revolution, the doors were closed and couldn't get in there. But you know what? When he was 60, then he could start his mission trips. And he went many times into China. They'd go into the rural villages. It took them a couple of years, a couple of trips before they were first trusted to be able to go into the real church. First couple of times they just gave them, you know, like trial runs to see if they could be trusted. And only on the third trip they said, all right, have your bag ready, we'll fetch you at four o'clock in the morning. Didn't know where they were going. And under the cover of darkness, off they went into places they didn't know where they were. And uh, I'll spare you the, the terrible hygiene or lack thereof and all that kind of stuff. But people sitting on tiny little benches, but that, you know, that's all they had to you put your, your backside on. That's as wide as it was, a little wooden thing. And they would sit there 12 hours a day wanting to be taught. When dad had been going at it for about six hours, they said, all right, you can take a break. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be ready for you in an hour's time. You can come back again. Just going for it flat out and praying and praying that the tears are running down their eyes. That it makes you wonder, am I really saved? And then having to run away from the secret police who weren't so secret then and escaping in the dead of night and in the absolute pitch black of darkness, hand on the shoulder of the person in front and the path went that way and dad went straight and down a cliff. Resulted in him having to be basically evacuated in a back surgery, which led to a lot of pain for a couple of decades until the Lord healed him just eight weeks before he passed by eight or nine weeks, he was pain free. Interesting, eh? So this thing of the kingdom, this thing of missions, this thing of evangelism, it goes a long way for us. This thing of doing kingdom come conference, it doesn't come from nowhere, people. It comes from somewhere. Why would the Lord entrust us with something like that? Why would the Lord entrust us with leaders coming in a couple of weeks' time that we would be hosting? It comes from somewhere. This is who we are. This is, this is the quarry that we've been cut from. This is why we're a people who lay down our lives for others. It's not just about our convenience. Is that good? All right, let me give you a bunch of scriptures Let's see how much we can get through so that we can actually have something of a basis on which we're, we're, uh, we're hanging all of this. Of course, we know Jesus, in, uh, you'll find this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. 
Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right, so this is after the crucifixion and the resurrection, after the 40 days. This is now basically at the ascension. Then he gives them this instruction in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All right, and this is one of the things that's been so ingrained in us. There's a difference between making converts and making disciples. All right? Jesus' instruction was go and make disciples. Getting people to raise their hands and say a sinner's prayer, that's great. It's only a step in the process that's not the whole thing of making a disciple. We love these huge, big crusades and so on, but you know that all the studies, it's less than 5% of people actually end up staying the journey. One year later, you can only find less than 5% of those who responded yes to the gospel at a big crusade. Less than 5% are actually in a church. That is scary, isn't it? All right. Therefore, go. Not Therefore stay, therefore go. So we need to be a people on the front foot ready to go, looking for opportunities wherever we can that we might spread the knowledge of the Savior. Who is Jesus? What has he come to do? What's he still doing today? And he's coming back again. Make disciples of all nations. Wow. You mean not just my neighborhood? That there's a wider thing for us? Yes. For us? Yes, us. Not just the special chosen ones. We're all special and we're all chosen. Yep. Come on. Look at the person you came with. Aren't they amazing? Look at them. Say, you are special and you are chosen. All right. In other words, we all get to go. We all get to be participants in here. And so as you do this, you're making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you teaching them to obey everything. Kind of goes a little bit against cancel culture and all those things. Where you get to pick and choose what you like. Hmm. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. End of the age. Not the end of the? Not the end of the? But the end of the? Mm. Makes a huge difference to your theology if you get that wrong. End of the age. But we'll come back and talk about revelation and the new heaven and the new earth another time. Matthew chapter 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness 
And all these things will be given you as well. In other words, don't go chasing after things. And Jesus in that passage just kept saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And again, verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. Seek first the kingdom, and then all these other things will be added. Let's keep our focus right. Okay? So we're seeking the kingdom and the advance of the kingdom. In Matthew 9, Verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Yay, Jesus was teaching kingdom, 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 kingdom. Not salvation, salvation, salvation. He was preaching and teaching kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. It's a massive thing when we grab a hold of this truth. Because it frames the way in which we see his rule and his reign and we see our purpose on earth. Because we are here to rule and reign with him and to bring his kingdom about in and through us. We're not just hiding in a little huddle, holding on by our fingernails, hoping that he's going to come and rescue us. No. No. We're here to enforce the kingdom. Some of you, I think, haven't been here for a long time. Jesus, in response to the disciples, saying, Wow, you really pray. Would you teach us how to pray? He said, all right, here we go, guys. Here is a bit of a framework for you guys to pray. These are the kinds of things you need to be praying. Our Father, wow, Father, our connection, Father, not distant, remote, but mine, ours. Father, relationship, hey, I've been adopted, I'm in family. So much just in our Father. See that? Wow. Our Father, who is in heaven, praised, worshipped, magnified be your name. Which is why we take time to praise, worship, and magnify his name. Your kingdom come. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So what are we expecting that prayer to look like? Jesus, keep us safe and away from all those rotten people. No. Lord, let your kingdom invade this world. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven, complete 
submission and obedience to the authority of the king. May earth look like heaven. May earth look like the kingdom has so taken over that it looks like heaven on earth, which is the end of the story. That's what we're working towards. So we are busy at work with him, co-laborers with Christ, advancing the kingdom, sharing everywhere the knowledge of him. Like a fragrance is spreading all over the place. The earth will be filled with the experiential knowledge of the glory of God. The glory of God is so going to cover the earth. An entire kingdom revival over the earth. So are we here. Otherwise you could get saved, boom, beam me up, get me out of here. No, he's left us here on purpose for a purpose. I'm interrupting myself. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Where's the, where's the harvest? I've got to I'll give you a clue. It's not in here. This is like, yeah, already harvested. This is like in the storehouse. Where's the harvest field? Yeah, it's your office. It's your neighborhood. It's your company. It's where you do your shopping. That's the harvest field. Who are the workers? That would be us. Lord, we're praying for us to recognize that we actually are your workers, that we would go out into the harvest field And the harvest is ripe. Gosh, even more so with this COVID thing. People so filled with fear and anxiety, they're doing all sorts of crazy things. They're ready. They want to come out of fear. Listen, if you're so afraid to die, you will do anything you can to not die. That's why people have so easily embraced so many unusual things over these last 18 months. Because of fear. Fear of dying. I mean, they only had a 0.5% chance of dying, but it was a big enough... I try not to be naughty, Daryl. I am 
I, I'm sure we've got enough faith that we will be in the 99.5%. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Some of the manuscripts, what shall we do to be saved? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Repentance, salvation, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. This gift is for all. Can I at least get three amens? Yeah. And this is for all. With many other words, you see, long sermons are okay. You see that? With many other words. He warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Preached, baptism, full of the Spirit, boom, into the family of God. Not lone rangers off doing your own thing. Beloved, watching online, so glad that we had the opportunity to connect virtually. But you know what? Connecting tangibly and in person, way better. Come back. Yeah. So they were added into the body. It's all about adding in. Psalm 2 verse 8. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. This is prophetically about Jesus, but it's nations. He's on about nations, people groups. It's evangelism, it's missions, it's kingdom, it's individual, and it's national. Philippians 2 verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Yay. Everyone loves a good story. And everyone loves a story with a good ending. And our God story has got a really, really good ending. So this whole thing of the kingdom spreading, the kingdom advancing. You know, Jesus said, from the days of John until now, the kingdom has been advancing forcefully. And forceful people lay hold of it. So there's this energetic, active intentional grabbing hold of the kingdom and seeing it spread, increase, and advance. 
How about in Daniel chapter 2? There's a dream of this rock that comes and crushes these other kingdoms and then the rock grows and expands and until, until it fills the whole earth. And the interpretation that God gave to Daniel is that this rock is the kingdom of God. It's going to smash all other kingdoms and it's going to fill the whole earth. We are here to take over. We're here to take over. We're not here to hang on. We're here to enforce the kingdom of God through love, mercy, compassion, healing, destroying the works of the evil one. The kingdom of God came with Jesus in Mark 1. The kingdom of God, verse 15, the kingdom of God has come near. This is good news. All right, repent and believe. So right at the very end in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 15, it says uh, the, the angels sounded a trumpet. There were loud voices. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. He will reign forever and ever. The kingdoms of this world have become. How did they become the kingdom of our Lord? Because God's people went into the harvest field and did some harvesting Monday to Saturday. Sunday you can have a day off. Rest. But we are workers in the harvest field and the harvest field is Monday through Saturday. Wherever you are is the harvest field. And we are about seeing the kingdoms of this world being shifted and changed, transformed as light penetrates and breaks through the darkness. Had a great experience yesterday. Went into Santon, which is not normally our neck of the woods. And uh, so there's an art gallery that's popped up there. Members of the congregation. And they're exhibiting high-end art that's, um, that's speaking to people at the highest levels. And many of the artists are believers. And as people walk into that shop, unbelievers walk into their shop, they look at some of the artwork, they start weeping. Come on guys, we're talking sentence City here. We're seeing the kingdom invading spaces that were kind of like, oh, that's evil, that's wicked, that's mammon. No, we're here to take over. Come on. We're bringing light where there was darkness. I mean, you can get, there's another gallery just around the corner. There's a lot of darkness there. Like you walk out of there, you're kind of like, oh, get a bit slimed. It's like really depressing. You walk into this place, it's light. It's kind of like, Oh, wow. It's amazing. Come on. The end of the story. Revelation chapter 19 speaks of Jesus coming on the white horse. Trampling all his enemies. Chapter 20. How the enemy, Satan, done away with. Gone. Chapter 20. The marriage supper 
of the Lamb to the bride, the bride of Christ, the church. Chapter 21. I saw heaven come down, the new Jerusalem come down. And then you get to chapter 22. It says, and then there was a garden, the new Jerusalem. The lamb was there. Light didn't need a sun because Jesus was there. And a river flowing and trees. A city garden. And it's echoes from the last chapter of the first chapter. In the beginning, and it was good, very good. And in the end, a garden is very good. It's the kind of place you want to be forever. Oh yes, we will be. So let's go back to Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abram, your father, to Sarah who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, <laughs> her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. What does that sound like? Eden. Again. Why? Because the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he rules and reigns supreme. We are those who get to Receive the kingdom, be in the kingdom, and expand and advance the kingdom. Hallelujah. Come, let's stand. So I want to pray for you that something would ignite in you afresh and anew, that God has called you to shine like stars in the night, giving people light and hope, something that they can take their bearings off. How about that? You are here on purpose, for a purpose. May you fulfill your purpose. Yeah. So thank you, Jesus, that you came and you rescued us even as we, we identify with those people who heard that message on the day of Pentecost through Peter, 
What must we do? And we've begun this journey. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for rescuing us, saving us from our wickedness and our sin. Thank you that you called us, but you've called us on purpose for a purpose. Thank you that we are part of your kingdom that is advancing, and thank you that your kingdom is growing, increasing. We're on the winning side. You are the victorious one, and you will come back again, and you will finally put to a complete final end the enemy, and you will do away with all wickedness and sin. So we look forward with great joy and anticipation and thanksgiving towards that day. But in the meantime, it is day, and we will work while it is day. So Lord, we're asking even in this week for opportunities where we can show love, kindness, mercy, compassion. We can be light carriers, glory carriers, that people would find their Savior. So Lord, I ask for a fresh anointing by your Spirit on each one of us, boldness and great courage to share your word with boldness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen.